Welcome to the Athlete's Compass Podcast, your North Star for mastering endurance training and holistic health. Join us each week as renowned sports scientist and founder of Athletica.ai, Paul Larson, along with athlete, coach, and sports scientist Mariana Rakai, and coach and cyclist Paul Warlowski, guide you through the maze of often confusing training principles. Make sure your compass is ready. Class is now in session. Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Athletes Compass, where we navigate training, fitness, and health for everyday athletes. This week we're talking about measuring progress in general. We have an athlete compass listener question from Kristen from Norway. We're we, we might feel better on some given day, like there's more snap in our legs, or we feel worse or trash as in Mariana's language. Um, but how do I know for sure? And does this progress really matter? So the question we have from Kristen from Norway is how can I monitor tr my, my progress if I am not doing any racing? You know, there's that adage about what measured gets managed, what gets measured gets managed. And so there's that, uh, if we measure something, we're going to pay attention to it. Um, so there's some valuing measuring your, your progress and knowing if you're, what you're doing is working. Um, for, if I'm in the weight room, I know that I'm getting stronger, stronger simply by the amount of weight that I'm lifting. Are there specific tools that we use as a coach in Athletica or as an athlete in Training Peaks or something that can give Kristen the kind of data and information about how she is responding? Um, what do you use, Mariana, as a coach to measure progress? I use different kind of methods depending on the athlete who is in front of me. So in Kristen's case, I would recommend because she doesn't like racing. So she doesn't get that progress measurement from doing a race. So, um, and some athletes don't want to do tests, for example. Um, some might feel like doing FTP test is too nerve wracking. Uh, they put a little bit too much value and, um, maybe even like value on their identity on the numbers. So mm. on those, for those athletes, I wouldn't, I wouldn't push doing the tests, but overall, let's say I like to measure so that we know that we've improved and what we've been doing is working. Um, so for strength, I like to, uh, use strength and movement assessments with my athletes. Uh, but in general, athletes can monitor themselves. They'll know if they are doing a program when they lift more or they can sure. do more sets. Uh, endurance, depending on sports, we do uh, initial test week, like we do in Athletica. So we'll do a math test, maximal Arabic function test, 5K time trial in running. FTP tests uh, on the bike or similar in cross-country skiing. And then we repeat them after a while. So we know how we're doing. Um, but often the progress is, you know, uh, assessed with their racing. Are they racing better? How, how they're progressing in that way? Uh, did they hit their goal? 
Um, and athletes uh, who don't race that are using um, training program, they'll know if they are capable of doing more 30-30s, for example. A lot of people like uh, high-intensity interval training, like 30 seconds really hard, 30 seconds easy. Uh, how many sets can they do? Uh, that's an easy way to uh, assess how they, how they are progressing in their training. And overall, athlete, athletes can expect training to feel easier. Um, they might be running faster at the same heart rate. Um, uh, if they have like the same 5K loop or 10K loop, they, they'll run it faster. But those are all um, okay mm -hmm. ways to monitor their progress. Paul, what did you make sure got into Athletica to help people like Kristen monitor or measure their progress? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Mariana covered a lot of the things that we already do, but let's just go over them. So we do, you know, we do do some sort of a time trial um, threshold now, um, upper threshold. So remember there's two thresholds. Um, the first, when we say threshold, it's like, you know, how uh, sustainable, what's the sustainable endurance that you can kind of uh, hold? And the very first one might be, you know, Mariana mentioned it. It's your, you know, your uh, an FTP test, a functional threshold power test. This is, uh, you know, similar to, or um, it's related to what we also call as your maximal lactate steady state marker. It's not the same, but it's like a, it's a functional, that's why it's called a functional um, threshold power, right? Like it's, you're actually looking at an external, how much power you can produce for 20 minutes. And we infer this is what you could do for about an hour. And it's similar to, but not exactly the same as your you know, maximal lactate steady state. And obviously you want a greater one um, than a lower one. Uh, because they hi it highly relates to your endurance performance, and um, and that test is certainly in there at the moment. And then in the that's in the cycling context, but the equivalent in the running context is your Jack Daniels 5K maximal effort, and uh, which you can determine a V dot from, and uh, and that just really it kind of comes back and it like once again relates to. Uh, you know, across the board, all these other various different um, performances. So you want to, you know, it's probably not surprising that if you're if you're able to run five kilometers really fast, you can probably do a lot of other uh, endurance events quite quite fast as well. It's not it's not a perfect correlation. There's other factors, uh, and again, that we mark we monitor too. The next one I think about is um, this this marker of durability. And durability is really a marker of how uh, it's they're calling it the fourth uh, fourth dimension of um, physical parameters other than VO2 max um, threshold and economy. It's also durability. And this is we're really looking at uh, sustainability. Like so an, uh, an individual winning Ironman, say, for example, has the ultimate durability They're durable right to the very end. And we see this in terms of their pace or power relative to their heart rate. 
So they would have a low heart rate relative to a high pace. And this comes back to also one of the um, factors that Mariana mentioned. She mentioned the MAF tests, maximal aerobic function. Um, you know, Dr. Phil Maftone, our colleague, uh, was was the, really the first to, to coin this. And um, it, this relates to your ability to oxidize fat in your mitochondria as opposed to carbohydrates to really to gain access to that unlimited fat stores that, that is within us and to do so at a very high rate. So if we do a math test, and to be clear, the math test is usually a, you know, it's a, um, an eight kilometer or five mile um, test done at the heart rate that's associated with your, your zone two heart rate. Uh, specifically, Dr. Maftone brought a predictor of that of 180 minus your age. We all know that this can be off a little bit and you know we get a lot of user user questions and comments the fact that it that it is indeed off, right? And they're you're right. So um, you know that's uh, that's certainly another one there as well. But yeah, I think those are the main. Oh, and the, maybe the last one, and Paul would probably be uh, you know keen on this one, being a, a cycling expert, and that's the power profile test. Um, because of course, cyclists uh, they often have these real punchy moments in their events where they really got to, even though it's it might be in. Um, an overall endurance, you know, they might be out there for five hours or more, but there's still moments in that event that matter and make a big difference in terms of getting off the front and breaking away. And you have to have that ability to punch. And we do a power profile test for our cyclists to monitor that, where they're doing periods of, um, you know, very short duration all-out efforts to longer duration all-out efforts. So that's in most of the cycling programs and plans that we have. And last but not least, the, the one I'll mention also is we have a critical swim test as well and, uh, and a critical swim speed test where you can just, again, you're getting a critical power or a critical speed curve on your, on your swimming. And typically we use 400 meters all out and with followed by a rest with 50 meters all out. And we can draw a curve on that one to again get the, you know, what, are you a punchy swimmer or are you a, uh, you know, duration kind of swimmer, uh, endurance? Type of swimming. So I think those are the majority ones. So it sounds like the the easiest thing to do for for Kristen or for any other athlete is to do to have a test that they can repeat, whether it's a math test for the running, whether it's or a five k, um, or a time trial for cycling, and repeat those tests if if they're looking to see progress. Is there something within uh, those tests that Kristen or another athlete can look at to see, yes, I'm making progress besides simply the time or, um, or increased wattage or whatever it might be. I think probably what goes with that is, is it feeling easier to, okay. right? so you, you know, um, so it's certainly the, the heart rate that's associated with those, right? So um, we talked about it, durability, and that's often seen as your power or pace relative to your heart rate. Do you want to have a higher pace or higher power, but um, faster pace or higher power, but relative to, to that heart rate, whatever that level is? And um, yeah, the, and then likewise, you, you want to have that same feel, right? Like, so... So it should, you want, you want exercise to be feeling easier and you're moving faster. 
uh, in, in a real, real simple, um, real, real simple monthly. You should, you should almost, if you, if you're improving, you should kind of know a bit, right? Like you should, you should almost uh, be aware. I mean, I mean, in coaching Mariana, I see her nodding. She's like, she knows when she's all of a sudden she's made a shift in something. Maybe it's her diet. Maybe it's her rest. Maybe it's moving from Dubai to to Texas. But all of a sudden, she just she's out there, and she just knows that she's she's going stronger. She almost doesn't even have to look at her watch because she's uh, you know. And again, to to you know, to Kristen's point, she'll feel like she's moving faster um, relative to 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 before when she's when she's got things right. Uh, yeah. And I, I kind of want to add into this the one of the reasons that we do these these tests is so that we can establish training intensity zones. So that kind of feeds into the whole learning uh, process of using all the devices that we have and make sure that you have a device that is showing you the right heart rate because otherwise garbage in, garbage out. Um, but, uh, what was I getting at with this, uh, was to establish your training zones. And as you get fitter and faster, you'll also see that your heart rate zones shift a little bit or pace zones or power zone shift a little bit. So that's also feeding into, okay, what is my RPE three feel like today? And how does that relate to the pace that I, that I'm at today? You know, you, you, you brought up the devices. Let's let, you know, let's, let's talk about those. Um, unless Paul, there was something else you wanted to add to that. No, just, just, well, Marianne is spot on with that. And the only thing I was going to add was the cool thing that the, the team at the back end of Athletica have done in terms of automating those changes as they occur. It's very, as you, as you, as coaches will know, it's difficult to keep tabs and eye on every athlete changing with these zones it's really fiddly right i go and think oh, did that you know what should i do there and the you know the guys have done a really good job at um you know automating that process where if you're going faster um you know then it's time to it, it, you'll get a little notification that you know if you've done it done an effort that looks like it could be superior to where your threshold is set then it will ask you, would you like to update those at threshold? So, uh, and there's even, there's, you know, more refining work that's actually occurring as we speak right now. And, um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of that uh, because I think that's, that's, again, as a coach, that's something I often miss. Yeah, I have an athlete who did the the full testing this weekend and wasn't feeling great and was all worried about his threshold and, and his his training zones are going to change and i said well we are going to start with what you did and the program is going to be adjusting for what you are able to do um and it's going to be okay and just to you know to respond to him um but with the devices that mariana talked about we all have our garmin devices or we have our wahoos whatever we're using we talked about how sometimes the recovery scores can be a little bit wonky, but I also noticed that some devices get the training stress scores of a certain activity pretty close to what you expect. 
can we use these devices to monitor our progress and to monitor our training load? Well, I'm, I'm sure it's possible. Uh, our system at Athletica, we use our own training load system, right? And everyone can see what that is. And because it sits right on your performance profile, this is what this is the first chart. If you go to Athletica, it's the very first chart, and it looks at really, you know, your your predicted stress that you'll get from any all those workouts, uh, the predicted you know recovery that you'll get, and then the the journey that you'll be on as in terms of the fitness that you will gain prior to your taper to become fresh and then to perform and have that big stress. So, um, and, and remember when we're, you know, we've, we've gone into this before, but remember that when we're, we're measuring those, that stress, we, the, the term is load. That's really stress load. It's an arbitrary unit. It doesn't really have a unit, but it's an arbitrary unit and number. And it's a product of both the time of exercise and the intensity. It looks at both. So you can have a similar load, but achieved with a higher intensity. Um, and likewise, you can have a, just a similar load achieved with a long duration kind of thing. Um, so you, you can kind of, there are lots of different ways to skin the cat with training as we, as we, as we say. But uh, th those devices that you use, they're, they're being used to monitor your training load. And, and that, again, that's whatever you're using, that's what's, that's what's being measured that should be what that is definitely what athletica is trying to manage for you and um yeah it's a it's it's this is why we quantify what it is that we're doing and why we press start and stop before we do all of our activities and make sure we hit their right to k marker <laughs> not, <laughs> not go 100 meters under <laughs> just exactly. running in circles exactly. uh, no, I'm, I think uh, the devices, watches are really helpful, as, especially for a beginning athlete to understand themselves and learn if they want to learn. But I don't think you should blindly look at them. You know, Garmin watch has the function, like if you've been sitting too long, it, it, it sends you a message, time to move. <laughs> like you've just sat down half an hour after two hour run. Um, like, don't blindly look at them and, uh, you know, remember, like, what the quality of the data is going in. Um, if it's off, then, you know, the response is off. Um, and, 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 and I can I just add, like, I think the big laugh that so many people have is with the Garmin device. I love, like, no disrespect to Garmin. I love the Garmin have... device. Right? We all got them. Exactly. But how often do we laugh when we do an activity and it says, you know, you've, you'll, you'll, you know, you've got 72 hours to recover kind of thing. I'm like, I'm training tomorrow. I'm not recovering for 72 <laughs> yeah. hours. You know? Get lost. Exactly. So, so be, be mindful and critical. You can pay attention to them. But I find like the best racing experiences are when you're going by feel and not, you know, staring at your watches. Mm -hmm. Um, when I, when I started Ironman training, I had to turn off everything off when I went for a run, because I was constantly looking at my heart rate or my pace. And I found like, I'm not enjoying my runs and especially racing. I had to turn the, the heart rate off because 
when you're in a race situation, it's not like when when you're training, your heart rate is gonna be higher, typically higher, right? Because of stress and you know. Um, but I also made a huge mistake during my first Ironman race, and after that, I haven't used bike computer because you know when you pack your bag, you travel away, you you know you have to take your pedals. I had a Garmin vector pedals and you have to tighten them to a certain uh, uh, newton meter and they were off so they were showing me totally wrong power but i was blindly going through the race plan i was just like okay, just trust it trust it it's fine i felt like i'm biking way too easy like this is way too easy everybody was passing me and i'm like okay now just just trust it um Ironman race starts at the run. <laughs> you run really good. And I did run really good after that, but I spent <laughs> an hour more on the bike than that my race plan was because I was blindly looking at the power meter. So after that, I don't even have a computer now because I don't want to trust the output, the external measure. And I always just go by feel. And I think that's been really valuable for me. So you've you've learned to to trust yourself based on the years of experience, um, and you know you also talked about how often you were checking your watch and checking what you were doing. How often should uh, Kristen and other everyday athletes monitor their progress? Should they be looking at? their power profiles every day should they be looking at their tss every day and their training and their the, the numbers on athletica or whatever they're using um, weekly you know i like to look at trends like with the hrv data we talked about in in episode seven um, six and seven we talked about the recovery process and looking at using hrv um, for for training for that um, the trend line gives me a a picture of how my athletes are responding to the training is same thing with the cycling power profile in Athletica. Um, so how often do you two look at, how often do you encourage your athletes to look to monitor their progress? You know, I think it's, I, I, I don't know if I really have an answer to that. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe it's bi-weekly. Like I don't, I don't want to always be looking at progress or, you know, um, I'd say biweekly, but I also say daily too, right? Like you're always kind of looking at what you did relative to the past, but if it's down for one week, that's okay too, right? Like there's right. always going to be these, these fluctuations, hopefully over, you know, a biweekly period though, we start to see some adaptations, you know, or it might, it might take monthly and whatnot. Uh, but at the same time, also, like these changes can also happen quite quickly as well. There's this, um, you know, there's the, the nervous system is just an amazing tool, amazing machine. And um, the adaptations can be quite, quite quick. Context always, right? So it really depends on the person, depends what, on their history and what they've done. Um, but, but yeah, like often we can see some, some quite, quite rapid changes. But um, yeah, from daily to biweekly to monthly, 
to to annually as well, right? Like the, there's always the ability to compare, but only if you measure something. Right? It's very difficult when you have an athlete and this does happen, where they come to you and they they want to they want to work with you, but unfortunately you're really blind because they have never. Um, they've never monitored anything before. They've, you know, and then you're really left with, um, you're left with, you know, their race, um, you know, their race results, which is fine and a great place to start too. But um, what is even more powerful and um, is, is when they're actually like able to monitor using a device as well. And to Mariana's point, you don't always have to be out there looking at it. In fact, it's, I'd recommend often not. It's just, you know, have a random look from time to time and even test yourself. It's like, you know, M, okay, let's play a little game with yourself. Okay, I'm out there and I'm on a run or I'm on a bike. Let's guess what my power or running speed is at this at this field. I think it's, you know, I think I'm, I don't feel like I'm running 430Ks right now, whatever it may be, right? Uh, and see if you're right and see how close you are to that marker. And then you're testing your ability to feel how good is your feel really getting for these sorts of things. And, you know, compare it to how you're breathing, right? Here's, a, here's another thing that, that is just, uh, it's occurring. Listen to your breath. Um, you know, am I able to nose breathe or not? And uh, really try to get the, the feel in tune with what the actual occurrence is. To Mariana's point, assuming that you've got a accurate and calibrated valid, reliable um, tool, right? Um, so yeah, all these things are important. Yeah, if if I can add to how often uh, one should monitor progress, um, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of this, and I know a lot of triathletes are guilty of this, um, which is green box chasing and TSS daily, um, monitoring and trying to get it higher and higher, um, which can, of course, then lead to some problems down the road, <laughs> <laughs> like overtraining. Uh, but as a coach, I, I kind of, I kind of see when, when an athlete has progressed and then usually depending on what sport it is, but let's say for, for a marathon, uh, one of my athletes just ran a 45-minute uh, PR. And during her, I think it was six-month training block towards this race, I could see when when she was progressing. And she actually likes racing, so she, she uh, threw in some 5Ks here and there. Uh, but I also like the math test. Um, so we saw huge improvements in the math test. And then we did that uh, in the beginning of the block. And then in the middle, when I felt like I want to see if we're doing the right thing. And I have to say, she is amazing at controlling her uh, desire to drift into that zone three and go a little bit hard. So she's really good at going slow enough. Like it's unbelievable because most of the time you have to pull the athletes back a little and get them to slow down to get the benefits of that uh, zone zone two. But she's uh, excellent and she took she took uh, so much time off from her 
four-hour marathon to three, to three sixteen or seventeen. Fantastic! Uh, yeah, it was it was really good. It's but impressive. even like when I started working with the prof, uh, one of the first tests was a math test, and then we repeated it after three months, and I took one minute per k off, and I was just mind blown. I'm like, oh my gosh! <laughs> Uh, so I, I really like the math test because it can really show if you have been a good girl or boy and stayed off the, you know, zone three and stuck to your your lower intensity because that's um, that's good for you. Yeah. Can I just um, this is this is perfect. Um food for a question that's asked by Helen, who's uh, on our forum. Her, the title of the post is L2 run heart rate versus pace. And basically, um, to paraphrase, Ellen, Helen is, is usually doing her L2 runs at heart rate rather than pace. And what she's finding is that she's going sort of a little bit slower um, based on our heart rate. She's liking that because, um, you know, she's keeping the stress low, which I, you know, which I think is great, but she's getting, you know, she's not covering as much distance uh, as, you know, might be a friend in Athletica. So her question is, should I just increase the workout duration to get to that, that weekly uh, distance, or should I just do the, the duration and will Athletica catch up? Um, and, you know, Jesse's come in there and said that, uh, you know, um, Athletica will catch up, and I agree with that. But I, I actually don't mind the other option as well, where just go with, um, you know, just go with the L2 uh, pace at that lower, because that it, it, that's a lower stress ultimately for that duration. And even if it is a little bit lower on the distance relative to what's planned, I think that's okay too. I think it was Frank Shorter, who's a famous um, American runner. And he was notorious for doing um, these really slow runs. Uh, I believe hanging out in Boulder, and people would, you know, he people would be running around, passing Frank Shorter on on these really low and easy easy runs. And um, you know, and people like, oh, what's what's up with this guy? Right, he's an, he's an elite athlete and stuff. And look at he's almost walking kind of thing. And of course, he ripped the legs off him when when he went and did his uh, his high intensity stuff on the. Uh, on the track, right? So I just don't think it's um, don't stress too much. Uh, an L two session is 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 there for a specific purpose. It's to keep the the wheels ticking over, the legs ticking over under low stress. And remember back to the physiology too, right? We can get at these aerobic adaptations both with HIT, both with high intensity level training, but also with low intensity exercise training. Um, we, you know, we can look at the molecular signals and they're kind of similar, but the key thing you want, again, this is, you know, to Steven Seiler's polarized model, um, all two sessions have their purpose and it's get, get that signal from a low central nervous system um, stress. So, um, yeah, just, just add that one in. And, uh, so if she goes by pace, she'll go slower with lower heart rate. That's right. Well, yeah, okay, she's, okay. she's. Again, she's she's following the smart coach recommendations that yeah. we do to push the push the garment, which, which yeah. I, again I love that feature, uh, and and yeah, so it's kind of when she's following the guidelines, when she's following the heart rate, it's uh, she's not moving quite as fast like that. But the lower mm -hmm. ones, 
she can she can rip out the fast stuff, right? Like this is her. She she you know she's a super fast five five uh, k speedy runner. But when she she's more like a like a Frank Shorter, right? And and I would just say, Helen, don't don't worry about it. Um, just be patient with that. And um, yeah, and and Athletica will catch up. And and I believe also you'll get the adaptations that you're after that way as well. Make you know just make the uh, make the high intensity stuff high intensity. If we want to go into the details now, would you if if you're going slower and your load in Athletica doesn't come up to the plan, would you then add in a few minutes? Well, that's what she's asking, right? And I and but you honestly, said don't. No, I'm not saying don't. Um, Jesse's saying do. I'm saying it's up to her. It's, okay. you know, it's like yeah. I would go. I would go with go with feel. If it yeah. feels okay to go a little bit more, I, I would encourage that because again, remember back to the Steven Siler paper, uh, the autonomic balance one of 2007, where he showed that longer durations um, of exercise below L2 or zone two, um, they weren't they weren't eliciting a larger uh, central nervous system. Um, response in terms of a negative response mm -hmm. when when measured with heart rate variability. In other words, even though when his when his group of runners did one hour versus two hours, there was no difference actually in these elite runners in in terms of their heart rate variability following that. But when they drifted into zone three, that's what Helen does not want to do. Right? She yeah. shouldn't go. If she was running by pace, she would drift into her L three, and she would get a lot larger of a central nervous system's um, stress that would act that's again according to Steven's data there's no different than, than doing a, a high intensity interval training and then you're, you're almost repeatedly getting into high intensity interval training stimulus day in and day out and this is the whole problem for coaches uh, that prescribe only with power on, in the cycling context or only with pace in the running context context you've got to have you definitely need to have a look at something um, like heart rate because you're getting with with heart rate you get not only an aerobic cardiovascular look you're also getting a look at the central nervous system response too so helen's question is excellent um, and i would just say um you know develop that feel and listen uh, and um, you could or or you you know you might might want to just hold on there for now. I would let things just kind of settle, um, and yeah, consider increasing them in the in the future. But get a few more runs under your belt first and mm -hmm. see how it feels. Um, this this is how I like to teach my athletes. Anything low intensity go by heart rate. If you're mm -hmm. doing high intensity then heart rate because of the the lag it's not always the best measure totally. if you're not using pace or if you're not using power then i like to like i always tell them this is how it should feel like rp zero to ten and i give them like a sheet of like how should it feel like when you're going um 30 30s it's all out it's hard yeah like it's oh, horrible. horrible. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Let's go. It, exactly. <laughs> um, so this is how I like to teach my athletes to kind of use the data, but always the feel 
go by feel is the like the way to do things right. Totally. You just need to learn how Absolutely. to use the Con feel. context, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, there's just mm -hmm. there's a different formula and preparation and mindset for a different session. And that's why every session on Athletica has a purpose. So recognize that when you're coming into a session on Athletica, what's the purpose of the session? That looks at session aim, right? So yeah. what's my session aim? Okay, oh, I've got to, oh, you know, I've got to do the tempo. Okay, that's a little bit more high intensity. I, I need to be paying attention a little bit more. Tempo, I probably need to be looking more at pace or power because yeah. it's above L2. Mm -hmm. Conversely, recovery or aerobic, it's, you know, you're looking at heart rate. Today, the purpose is to recover. The purpose is just an aerobic, easy, easy stimulus to prepare for the next session, right? Remember the, the most important session is the next session. I, I'd like to pull in mindset here because we all love that zone three. <laughs> uh, but our egos us often stand in our way. Like we, like Frank Sorter, he ran really slow and I'm sure a lot of people went by and like, what is he doing? We don't want to be that guy that everybody's looking at like, <laughs> uh, or the guy who is trying to pass everybody because then you're not going L2 or zone two anymore. So yeah. oftentimes what I find, like, especially someone, um, who is new, um, new to coaching or new to like they've signed up for a half marathon or marathon it's so hard to get them to do the l2 because the zone three is pulling them and i tell them like okay when you park your car and at the parking lot when you're going for a run park your ego there too just leave it leave your ego behind because you're going for a slow run and sometimes it, they need to walk right they need to walk to keep the heart rate down and they're just gonna have to let all those older women go faster past them. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's it, an, it is hard. Totally hard. And I will say, just to kind of get towards wrapping this one up, that is one that really comes in a lot on um, the math test. So people that are, um, that we haven't got, I'll just say at this point in the game, we haven't got the math test um, completely rigged up to Athletica, we will. But um, at this point in the game, um, yeah, it's, it's just more of a marker for you. It's good practice to have this. And um, people doing this one, when they first come in, they, 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 you know, they squirm a bit because they can't exercise at their math heart rate, cycling or, or running. It's just, it's too, because their heart rate is too high. And um, they just, um, you know, that could be an issue with how they are created in terms or where they're sort of at, but it also could be an issue with their overall stress. So I can't tell you the number of times Phil in his, in his um, experience has seen individuals who really do need to walk before they run to, um, because, you know, you want to develop those, that uh, ability to exercise um, at a good pace, at a submaximal exercise uh, intensity or rate because this is indicative of your ability to oxidize fat as a fuel. And this is our primary purpose of, of, of doing exercise. We want to, we want to uh, stimulate the cardiorespiratory system that, that oxidizes fat as a fuel, as opposed to being sugar burners, high stress function all, all, all our life. So that's the, that's the purpose of it. 
Um, don't worry if you are just starting in and you need to walk before you run. Like Mariana says, park your ego uh, as well uh, or first. And then, and just, and uh, yeah, don't worry about anyone else that's around you. Just, uh, you are you are on the right track. You will adapt. And, um, and yeah, and, and uh, exciting things are ahead. All right. So our takeaways that I'm getting is number one, it's a good thing to measure. It's a good thing to measure our progress while my dog barks in the background. Number two, there are a lot of different time trial tests like a math test or a time trial test that help us monitor what kind of progress we're making. And number three, the context matters and that if we can learn to trust our own um, sense of what's working, what is how things are feeling, that will help us understand whether we're making progress or not. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening and join us next week when we dig into thresholds and zones, a topic that has become a little controversial. For Mariana Rakai, Dr. Paul Larson, I am Paul Warlowski, and this has been the Athletes Compass Podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Athletes Compass Podcast, your guiding light through the complex world of training for your endurance sport. For a deeper dive into the science, listen to our companion podcast, the Training Science Podcast, and check out the AI adaptive training platform, athletica.ai. Thanks.